Many of you know that our church makes, makes a large portion of its budget of your giving and sends that away to missionaries working in difficult places, a large portion. And one of the missionaries that we support are the Stegels, Zach and Noel, and they have four kids, right? Four kids. Two boys, two girls, right? Two girls. Uh, I was looking last night to make sure I had the details. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but we're so excited about what they're doing. Uh, they uh, moved to Albania about a year ago-ish, yeah? Um, and so since then, um, they've been meeting people just like the good old-fashioned way, like at like mechanic shops and like pizza parlors and pool halls and starting Bible studies. And also they meet with other Christians in the community to pour into them, to strengthen them, to send them out the work to do, the work God's given them to do, right? Like so I'm uh, really, really thankful for them and their heart for missions and their heart to listen to the Lord in the bed. So I'm really excited to have them here and talk to us. And I haven't skipped my youth Sunday school to be here. So anyway, um, take it away, Zach. Thanks, man. Yeah, good morning, guys. Um, this, my, um, my name's Zach, as Will said, and my wife, Noelle. And we have four kids, Asher, Emmett, Talia, and Juniper. They're 10, 7, 4, and 2. And I wish they could be here today with you guys, but it's been a little bit of a hard transition back from Albania. Last week, we arrived. And what I'm going to do is I've got some uh, pictures I want to show you. And I'm just going to tell some stories and share what God's been doing. Because it really has been a total work of the Holy Spirit in these last 10 months. So there's Noel, Asher next to her, Talia in the middle there, Emmett with his missing teeth, he has them now, and Juniper. And so that's my family. They say hello, the better five-sixth of us. You can go to the next slide. So how, we were sent out to Albania. So I'm a part of the Diocese of the Carolinas. I was ordained into the priesthood a week before we left. It was kind of a crazy time, but really exciting as well. So sent out from the Diocese of the Carolinas from um, Christ the Redeemer in Pendleton, South Carolina. We have a mission sending agency, which is Ministry Essentials International. And so what MEI does is to come alongside and provide a, a essential support to global workers and local leaders on the field. So essential support can mean a million different things. But what it looks like for us is we started a, an Anglican church, a mission outpost, and we're providing pastoral and counseling support and most of the people, and I can't sh obviously show any pictures of counseling stuff, but most of the people that we end up meeting with to provide counseling and care are people that come to the church that we've, that we've started. And that includes Albanians and other missionaries. And one of the really neat things about what we're doing is we're getting a chance to provide care and support counseling, pastoral ministry to people that are working in Albania, but also people that are looking to go to other um, Balkan countries, North Macedonia, Montenegro, Kosovo, some of these places that are really difficult to reach and difficult to engage. And what we found out after eight years in Cambodia was that a lot of people need, they need support. When you guys go through difficult trials and struggles, which I'll read a passage here that Paul writes to the Corinthians in a moment, you need people to come alongside of you, to listen to you, to pray for you, and just to sit with you, Right? And that's, that's, no, that's not foreign at all to Cambodia or Albania, wherever we go. People on the field and oftentimes missionaries are living in really difficult contexts. And what we found that people need is people on the ground that are also going through difficult contexts and processes and trials to come along together and form community. So that's what MEI does in combination with the ACNA that we're doing in Albania. Um, go to the next slide. So, Part of what I'm doing these next eight weeks in the States is trying to recruit people to come to Albania with us. 
And there's not, I'm not going to lay anything off the table. Like, that is a big thing. And some of you may have seen our video that I sent to Bishop Quigg a couple months ago. But we're really in need of people to come alongside and work with us. And so people that are also ordained in the ACNA would be great because right now it's just me. But also people that want to come alongside and serve kids that want to do other outreaches. So we've got a mechanic shop ministry going, which is some Albanian men, believers, that we're spending time with, which I'll show some pictures of that. Doing some hikes, because I've found out that guys doing like a shared experience together, that's where we're going to really open our hearts to one another. And some outreaches to, to people that are completely unengaged and unreached, that are maybe nominally Muslim. And that would be in like the pool halls and pizza areas. So we need people to come alongside. So I wanted to show some of the beauty of Albania to kind of draw you there. So you can go through these next couple slides, Tim. That's right where we live. We see those mountains every day at our house. So there's great hiking, camping. It's an outdoorsy place, but a lot of Albanians don't spend a ton of time outdoors. So in a lot of ways, it's the best of both worlds. We get trails to ourselves. Um, <laughs> you can go to the next one. Yep. So these, the, these guys, Jamie and Holly Wallen, are our best friends, and they were a huge uh, reason why we ended up in Albania. So we left Cambodia after eight years and really felt like, what is God leading us into? And, you know, we had three kids, one on the way. We didn't want to just make a, a decision ourselves. And so we, we asked people, like a friend of mine within the Anglican Church um, in Cambodia, a good friend, I said, how do you make decisions when you're faced with multiple good options? And he just said, what I would do is I encourage you to invite people into your life that you know and trust, that have different giftings in you, form a discernment team, and come together and say, let's pray together and seek the Lord together on what our next steps are. And he said, the kicker, Zach, is that I would say, trust them with the decision as you provide input, and where the Holy Spirit leads this group, you go. So basically, we are not going to go anywhere where the Lord, through these nine people, um, don't say that that's where we should go. So taking the decision off of ourselves, putting it into the hands of others with our input, spirit-led. Jamie and Holly Wallen said, please consider coming to Albania, because we knew them from Cambodia. And at the time, we said, I'm sure we won't end up in Albania. We were thinking Middle East, working with refugees, but they were the ones that really put that bug in our ear. And through this three-month of discernment during our sabbatical, the Lord spoke four different times through four different people to go to Albania. So I won't share the whole story. It's a fantastic story of God's goodness and his leading and his guiding if we lay our, our hearts out there and trust him. So Jamie and Holly really encouraged us. So he, we get to serve with these guys, which is so cool. They're some of our best friends in the world we get to serve with. And they've got kids, our kids' ages. It's awesome. You can go to the next slide. This is kind of the the first iteration of what church looked like. So you're going to see some pictures of what our church looks like. And there's a lot of outdoors. We kind of indoors, outdoors, left and right. You know, with COVID, we had to change around things. The night before, it was chaotic. But through the whole time, community was being built. And I think one of the, one of the things we saw, not only in Albania, but often on the mission field in general, sometimes we can have this sense like we can't, we can't hang out with other foreigners we have to only hang out with locals. We have to only do the things that locals do. We have to only learn the language. Well, our Albanian friends say, we see a lot of Westerners, primarily Americans, come to Albania, and we don't understand why you don't spend time together. Because we, if we were to go and live somewhere else as Albanians, we would want that community. And so we think it's weird. We think it's a bit sketchy. We actually question, what's your motivation 
by doing this, by not coming together. And so one of the things that we've wanted to do from the beginning is to bring other foreigners together to have this bigger community so that as people are going out into their ministries throughout the week, they're supported to do that, right? Because it's hard work on the field. You're learning other languages. You're living in places that are foreign. Cultures and customs are different. And so in order to thrive and to stay in the field, we really believe coming alongside together, and that's what it looks like on Sundays. We spend a lot of time together. We eat meals together. And even through COVID, the Lord has allowed us to continue gathering in his grace. So you can go to the next slide. And this is, so this is outside of our house. We'll meet here sometimes, depending on what the weather looks like. You can go to the next slide. This is in our driveway, if it's a bigger group. We've had to meet kind of two or three times. We had all these restrictions with numbers, what the government said we could do, and we really wanted to honor all of that and be above reproach and not just be the missionaries that come in and do whatever we want. And so it, it looks logistically complicated during all this time, but you can go to the next one too. This is the time it rained, so we had to meet indoors, right? <laughs> and so you can go to the next slide. This is probably the mo my most favorite place that we've been able to meet. This is behind our house in a field, and our Albanian landlords, the house that we're renting, take care of these an acre or so of vineyards and fruit and vegetables. It's this incredible blessing that we get to live in their house, and they will gift us with, these, with um, the fruit of their labor oftentimes. But, you know, one of the things about the, the church calendar is we get to experience the year in different ways. And so, you know, we're meeting out around a bonfire during Christmas Eve together. And we're just remembering, like, what, does it look, what did it look like for the early church to gather, right? We see the shepherd bringing her sheep through. And we get to wonder, like, the, 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 the metaphors that Jesus used, I am the good shepherd, these are my sheep. We're seeing the shepherd caring for her sheep. And it just brings tangibly what we're sharing to life, I think. And so to meet outside, to worship together, it's really been a beautiful way that God has, has, has met us. Um, you can go to the next slide. These are just, our church has been growing. Um, and we have people that are, that are Albanians that are in ministry in Albania that have said, we would love to go deeper in our faith. And we feel like this expression, the Anglican way, gives us an opportunity to do that. We have missionaries that are focused on Albania. And we have missionaries that come to Albania to learn language, to go work with Albanians in other Balkan countries. So the last, kind of, this is one of the last meetings that we had. We're up to about 50 or 60 people. But it brings another issue that we have is where do we meet going forward? Because we probably can't continue at our house. So one of the things we're praying for, you can join with me in that, is a, a location that we can meet. Now we don't want a location to be something that then stifles what the Spirit has been doing through the intimacy of like this, right? So the question as we grow, it's a question that every church faces. What do we do as we grow and how does that look to maintain this, the unity and the bonds together that we've been building? Because I think everybody that has come, and we're really the only Anglicans. There's one other girl who's Anglican. But most people have found a home here because it's a chance to worship in community. If you ever lived, anybody lived overseas before? How many of you have felt lonely when you lived overseas, right? Yeah, me too. And so this is just a way to bring community together, right? You can go to the next slide. There's Talia with me. It's really, I love what we do because we involve all of the kids. We don't have separate places for the kids. And so Asher, my 10-year-old, serves communion with me each week. We have a lot of the teenagers prepare Prayers for the people each week, what's on their hearts. We have people do readings together. We have discussion time together 
in lieu of a sermon typically. And it's just a way that like, it's the whole body of Christ coming together because as we all know, Jesus loves kids, right? He welcomes them and he blesses them. They're not a nuisance, they're not an annoyance, they're not like, be quiet. So we want them to be seen and heard in worship together. You can go to the next slide. We had a Passover Seder. So these are just some of the things that we've been able to do over this year. And so it's been a little wonky, of course, with COVID, but we've been able to do some really cool things throughout Advent and through Lent and other, um, other feast days. And so we had a Passover Seder, and, a, and it was really, I'd never done one before, but we led this at our house. And it was just really cool to see and really sobering to see that many Jews that go through the Seder, all the imagery that points to Jesus, and yet not seen, right? You can go to the next slide. We had a foot washing, and it's our kids washing Noel's feet. Really special for them because they're, they're tasting and seeing that God is good, right? And they're a part of things. You can go to the next slide. They made a resurrection garden one day. Just hands-on ways that they can worship Jesus together. You can go to the next one. This is a family that had one of, this is our first baptism. So we, had, we went down to the beach and um, one of their daughters was baptized. Just fun things we've gotten a chance to do together. You can go to the next slide. So life on the field is often unpredictable, right? So within five days, one of our kids had left something out on the floor. And as Noel was walking down the stairs, she fell and she fell on, on the same wrist that she had broken about eight years ago. And so we're like, oh, we're five days into the country. We have to go to the hospital. And our friends are like, oh, go check out the hospital system and tell us what it's like. And it's not necessarily what you want to do five days in. But thankfully, we had a good recommendation from somebody. And Noel's wrist wasn't broken this time. But life is full of uncertainties, right? And things that you never predict. You all have that here in Roanoke, wherever you've been. Life on the field is no different. It's just a little bit more complicated sometimes because you got to figure out where the heck you go, who you talk to, what you do. Life is also full of incredible blessings on the field. As Asher, this is Asher remembering his baptism from a few years ago. So every year we go through with our children and we talk about what it, like their baptism, what they remember. We Skype in with their godparents and get a chance to, to reflect and what's God done this last year in your life. And so Asher's really able to share a lot now of what God has done in his life. So we have great memories and great moments on the field. You can go to the next page. This is another not so great moment. And this was like last week. We were driving back from our retreat with our organization. We had a 48 hour turnaround to get back to Tirana, get all of our stuff, repack, get our COVID shots, um, and get on the plane. And so I'm accelerating down the interstate, and all of a sudden I'm, I'm hitting the gas and nothing's happening, right? And so we, and this was 115 degrees probably on the, on the highway. And the car just, I can't go anywhere. And so I'm looking for some place to pull in. Thankfully, there's a little space between the guardrail and I pull in. But trucks are, I mean, they're whizzing through. We got the doors open. Everybody's shirts are off. Hot as can be. And it's like, Lord, really? At this point right now? <laughs> and thankfully, so this is, and this is in the tow truck that a good friend of mine, which you'll see on the next slide, was able to call. And he's connected. And I just, I so thank God for knowing people that know people right? Who's been in that place before? Thank God that I know people that are connected, <laughs> right? So the seven of us squeeze into this tow truck, and the kids just think it's a great adventure together. And I'm so thankful, again, for the resiliency of my kids. You know, in Cambodia, when we were there, we would lose power all the time. And Noel and I would look at each other and be like, oh. 
And there it's like even hotter than Albania. But the kids were like, adventure, right? They just think it's awesome because it, the power's out and it's fun. And we're like, Lord, help us again to have the minds and hearts of little children, right? So we make it back to Tirana, sweltering, no air conditioning in the car. But this guy, third from the right, Aino, is a dear friend of ours. And this is a really cool story because Aino's family, his, his, his mother's side is Muslim. His father's side is really more secular. He's been in and out of church for a while. But as he's come and participated in church, what we're doing, and he's a part of this mechanics ministry. Actually, Jamie next to him is my buddy who's the mechanic. Aino is apprenticing with him. He's gotten a chance to see life on life with believers. And he's gotten a chance to see like, wow, you guys actually live differently than almost everybody I know in Albania. Why? Right? And it's just that like, we're going to do life together. We're going to worship Jesus. We're going to love one another. We're going to serve one another. And he's got a chance to experience that. Now his, his wife next to Noel there is not a believer. So we're really praying for her that she would taste and see that the Lord is good. This was like the night before, one of the nights before we left. To get welcomed into an Albanian home is really a great offer of hospitality. It's a huge gift. They go, they go out to, to the nines to, to make this meal. And the men are not expected to, to lift a finger to do anything. So we're trying to break those, some cultural things there too. Like, no, say, hey, we can come alongside and serve and help. And so, again, like little things to be faithful and obedient. So that's the story about Aino. He's the one who called the tow truck and we got back on the road. Let me go to the next slide. So this, this is my organizational team, Ministry Essentials International. Only one other family lives in Albania with us. Most live in Europe. Some live in the States. But these are people that are counselors, that are social workers, that are pastors, that work in areas of soul care. So like, how's your heart kind of questions, what people like us would ask you. And sometimes you don't want to ask, answer that question, how's your heart, Right? But we're trying to find out creative ways to say, how's your heart and how is it a safe place for you to share? And so this is a big part of what Noel and I do on a daily basis in Albania. To come alongside, Noel's done a lot of counseling. She's a licensed clinical counselor. She's also an addictions counselor. And so she's had a lot of opportunity, I mean, 10 years ago and beyond that, more so with the way our kids are now. But she just sees such a need to maintain a credible license, a credible background and training in order to come alongside and say, as a believer and a mental health counselor, how can I care for you? And the reality is the enemy loves to go after our kids. Sobering, I know, but we've seen it time and time again. Our family, many other families, the enemy targets our children. And so Noelle's specialty is trauma and children. And so she's come alongside families that have gone through, and we have a lot of families right now in Albania that are going through a lot of stuff. And so to come alongside and say, this is a safe place to be. We want to sit with you. We're so thankful for MEI because they provide that covering for us and that sense of go to Albania, be there with people, love people, and really want to see people stay in the field, not for at all costs, but those that, for preventable attrition, can stay in the field. That's why we believe on living overseas with the people we're caring for instead of it being separate. So this is our team. This was at the beach last week when we got to get together for our annual retreat. You can go to the next slide. So hiking ministry. So Jamie and I have felt like once a month, if we can get a couple guys together and either go for a day or maybe an overnight 
it just lends to conversation. It lends to more depth. It lends to like those questions that are, get below the surface, right? We can hang out together all day, but if we get out on the trail, something about walking side by side with guys as opposed to face to face lends itself more to, to bearing our souls. And so this is something that we're looking to do regularly. And what we'd love to see happen is get a couple guys that are serving in Albania cross-culturally and do this, but a couple of Albanian guys together also. Because that's just not something you do in Albania. You don't talk about how's your marriage, how's your parenting, what are you fearful of? But we want to get there because we really believe that's where true heart change happens. When you get to the place where the rubber hits the road, my values and my beliefs, especially for people that aren't believers, they question what am I really living for? What's important to me? What am I struggling with? Those kind of questions can happen out here, I really believe. They can happen in a mechanic shop. They can happen in a lot of places. But Albania, like I said, beautiful. Come join us. Rich in hiking trails and outdoor opportunities. This is a great opportunity to do that. So this was a hike with some guys up to the tallest peak, about 10,000 feet, um, last year that we did. I can go to the next slide. <coughs> Some of the guys we go with. You can go to the next slide. Um, so when you're, whenever you're out in Albania, and what's really cool about Albania is there's not really private property per se. You know, you go through someone's private property in the States, you might get shot, right? <laughs> but in Albania, they've got this thing called Besa. Besa is open hospitality to come and wel we welcome you. You're in our land. You're on our property we take care of you. We give you lots of coffee and lots of Rocky, which is this uh, grape liqueur they have that they drink too much of. But they give you coffee and Rocky and bread and cheese. If you need a place to stay, roll out a mat. I mean, it's full Albanian hospitality is something really special. And so this was on a hike, and we came across this, couple's, this uh, couple right here. And they made us sit down. And to, to say no to an offer to sit is really rude, Right? And so you've got to kind of, especially if the Rocky is flowing, you've got to figure out how do you do, how do, you do that. <laughs> but they say it takes three cups of coffee with somebody until you become really part of their, of their family. And that takes sometimes a long time to get there, of course. But this is, you just run into people and they say, come and sit with us. And so opportunities to share, like, why are you here? What are you doing? So incredible opportunities to share why we live in Albania. And if you know anything about Albania, the Balkans... Communist background, really, really bad. Similar to North Korea at the time, at least. And most people were just completely hopeless, right? And so you come out of communism, you kind of become Muslim because that's the Ottoman Empire background, but nobody really is. But then so many people are out of work. And so it gets really, there's a real spirit of depression and anxiety and this sense of worthlessness, especially among men. And so... To share again, to share into that, like what hopes do we have? And so that's why Jamie started this mechanic shop to give opportunity, right? We can get into that later, but this is, you'll just, you'll meet people that are so caring that want to just share their very lives with you. So that's the picture of them. You can go to the next slide. Just a picture of my kids. So we, we go hiking with the kids too to get them out and to show them like, this is where you live. This is home. You know, this this sense of home, I wrote about this in my last update, but this sense of home is often where we are with those we love. 
And Noel and I really experienced that because home is Phnom Penh, Cambodia. Home is Midlothian, Virginia. Home is Central South Carolina. Home is Tirana, Albania. Home is all these places because that's where we're with the people that we love. And so we have moved from thinking home is a, a location geographically because a house is there, whatever, but home is where we are with those we love. And so we're trying to help our children, you know, grow into this place. Now it's hard for them. For those of you that have kids, transitions are particularly difficult, aren't they? Even any kind of transition. So this is just one way that we found is helpful to go and do shared experiences weekly together with our kids so that they grow to love what we're doing and not just, well, this is mom and dad's ministry and it's boring and we don't want to do this, but this is part of it. You can go next. So Litany Motors is this mechanic shop that I was telling you about. And so this is an area that we felt like we really want to hone in on is how do we engage Albanian men that are kind of on the fringes of faith? Maybe some are believers, maybe they're not in the church, maybe they're unbelievers. How do we want to bring them in and gather into something, right? So Litany Motors, Jamie's shop, he works on people's cars and a lot of opportunity to share the gospel with people or just to be a friend to them. And so this is this Thursday afternoon pizza weekly time where we just very like one verse of scripture, prayer time, and maybe sharing something that is on your heart or maybe not even not that point yet. But that's this kingdom business that Jamie's a part of that we've seen as a way to get some guys together. So you know, these, you see some themes of what I'm saying. How do we bring people together, right? The sense of belonging, the sense of community. You can go next. And these are some of the guys we meet with. So we've got a couple, couple foreigners and a couple Albanians. And it's really, it's really good together. This guy right here in the blue on the right side, Benny. I asked God, God, can I have one friend in Albania? One Albanian friend. And... I never even imagined it would be somebody like Benny who has been such a dear friend to me. And he would say the same about me to him. He's going through some really hard stuff in his life and his marriage. But when you have a local friend who comes alongside of you, there's just a beauty in that. We've shed so many tears together of just talking about hard stuff in life. For any of you that have, you know, taken that step of vulnerability and said, here's who I am willing to be exposed, willing to put yourself out there, whatever you want to call it, you'll probably notice that oftentimes that frees people to do the same for themselves, to come and share, here's who I am, here's what I'm struggling with, here's the questions that I have. And so Benny and I have been able to do that together along with Aino as well. And it's just, it's, it creates a, it's scary, yes, but it creates beauty together. Again, needing one another. We can't do life alone, never meant to do life alone. You go next. Another picture of us together. You can go to the next slide. So this is our kind of pool hall slash I'm going to go soak in a sauna of cigarette smoke outreach. Because <laughs> sadly, when I moved from Asia to Europe, I realized there's a lot more smoking all over the place, right? And so not only do we like, okay, Lord, I don't, I don't want to get COVID. And Albania had really high numbers for a while. So it was kind of this like, what do you, how do you live and love others and do ministry and also be cautious and also just all that stuff, right? And I think it's, it's hard there, it's hard here to figure out what to do. But anyway, these are some of our dear friends. There's three, three guys uh, between Jamie and I and this couple that's, getting, that's engaged. And these would be people that, yeah, I'm a Muslim, but any of you would know more about Islam than they do. Because they just, they're just told you're a Muslim culturally, right? 
But these guys are willing to spend time together. And what, what life is like there is going to where people are. You know, like you've probably heard that here. You don't really invite people to come to church. You go to where they are and you see what God does and then see like, hey, is God leading? And then come and, come and worship with me. But I found it's not very effective just to go to somebody and say, come to church with me without really knowing who they are, knowing their hearts, being in relationship with them. So going to where people are, where do people congregate? Well, at pool halls. And they drink a lot and they smoke a lot and it's messy and it's fun. But there's a conversation that starts there. And I think, and they know who we are. And I think they have a, wow, you're, you're going to come and hang out with me at the bar and eat pizza and spend, and spend time together. And one of the prayers that we have is that we would be able to have a Bible study like in the, in the, bull, in the pool hall bar area at some point. And so that's, that's a hope. That's what we're praying for. But again, like all these opportunities, we need people to so come, come and join. Come be part of what we're doing, right? You go to the next. So this is us at the airport right before we left to come back here. I think that's it, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Um, so I, I'd love to have questions in a moment, but I just wanted to share a couple of things that prayer requests that we have going forward. So... You know, we've been eight years in Cambodia, two years in the States, a year in Albania, back here for the summer. It's been a lot for our kids, especially the, the girls, two and four. And so I'd love for you to, to pray for our children and their hearts. Um, I think oftentimes Noel and I look at each other and we're like, how in the world do we parent kids? Every parent has said that before. Um, and, you know, I think that we desperately want them to see that God is good and is for them and loves them and pursues their hearts, and that they're, they're the ones that, like God has said, like faith like a child, right? So please pray for Talia and Juniper specifically, but Asher and Emmett too, that they would really settle in. We, we still regularly mourn and shed tears and shed joyful moments of missing Cambodia. And that was really hard to leave after eight years, but we're so totally clear through this discernment process that God led us to Albania, and this is home, and we pray that's that for many, many years. And we pray that God does something beautiful in the middle of Albania and to the surrounding Balkan countries. If you were in the first service, the word Balkan means dispute, discord, strife. And those countries have been through a lot, former Yugoslavia, Albania. And so that's another prayer request. Pray for Albania because it's a, it's a real mess in a lot of ways, economically, socially. And there's just a lot of, a lot of despair. So pray for the country of Albania that God would do a new work there to bring hope into the hopelessness. And what, another area specifically for us, and then I'll take questions, is we want to see the church unified. And when I say church, I say Catholic, Orthodox, Protestant, Anglican, and I'll, I'll, put, us, I'll put Anglican separate for a moment and all that because what happens in Albania is that everybody's skeptical of everybody else and doesn't think you can be a Catholic and be a believer. You can't be Orthodox and be a believer. The Orthodox think that Protestants aren't believers, right? I mean, how much of this is glorifying the Lord? But that's just been the, what's happened over the years. And you kind of, oftentimes the church can mirror the culture if we're not careful. And so all this fighting and tribalism and, you know, Albanians, you insult my family, like retribution. You don't, there's no like, I forgive you. There's none of that. So what does it look like to show a different model? To welcome, like, to turn the other cheek, to teach that, to actually live it. When we're offended, to not take up arms and go fight for our rights and all these things. It's like, what does that look like? 
So I think one of the ways that, that God has laid on my heart in this kind of Anglican way is to be, to be a middle voice, to want to see the Lord bring people from all different sides together. What do we agree on? Right? What do we agree on? Who is Jesus? How can we live in unity with one another even when we disagree on some convictions and opinions? The core tenets we got to agree on, right? Convictions and opinions. How do we worship together? And that's just never been done in Albania. And so several people have told me, this I see as a role for you. But honestly, it feels super overwhelming to me to go and try to meet with different people. Someone said, if you're in the middle, you get rocks thrown at you from all sides. <laughs> maybe that's true. But maybe that's the way. And so pray that what God would want to do within Albania, within the unity of the worldwide body, and this is, and this is beyond Albania, this is, this is worldwide, right? That we as Christ followers would extend grace to one another, extend truth to one another, to love well, and how do we do that intention? And I don't know that I have answers, but that's something you can pray for us about in our specific context in Albania because we just see very apparent Apparently, that's a huge need there. I've talked a lot. Loved it. If you guys have any thoughts, questions, comments, if you want to join um, our team in Albania, come talk to me. <laughs> yes. How did you end up in Cambodia, and how did you come back? We understand how you made yep. it. Yeah. Um, when I met my wife, Noelle, she had been working in Cambodia. She, she went to get her uh, psychology degree, got an offer to go work with the NGO, in Cambodia, working with women and children that were at risk from sexual trauma and trafficking. So she spent a year there before we were married. We met at Wheaton College, um, and she had, she had said, I'm coming back and getting my master's, and I'm going back, and keep all the guys away from me because I don't want to have any distractions. <laughs> so when we met at Wheaton, we, I, was, I was on the similar trajectory long term, not to Cambodia, but thinking the Muslim world. And so we went to Cambodia in 2009 for a vision trip and there was 500,000 Muslims totally unreached. And so that's why we ended up in Cambodia was to do church planting. We were with pioneers at the time for about 10 years to do church planting and trauma counseling. But challenges were we weren't really in the city where we were, kids education and whatnot, there weren't a lot of Muslim communities right there. And so I would be traveling back and forth to places, Noel's home with the kids, as we had more and more kids, that became really complicated to do that. And so we started wondering, like, is there a different context? And so I have a real heart for the Muslim world and wanting to come alongside of people that are working with Muslims and as we do that ourselves. And so that's, we were doing some of that in Cambodia, but it became apparent that it wasn't probably a long-term fit to stay in Phnom Penh and try to make these trips out and about. So we looked at a variety of places, but after seven, eight years, we were burned out, I would say, or, or thereabouts. And so we started thinking about sabbatical. What does it look like to take a season to wait on the Lord and um, hear what he's going to say? That's why we came back to the States at the end of 2018, was to take six months, which became 18, 20 months because of COVID, but to take six months and stop and listen and, and just wait and see what God's going to say. And I'm a huge proponent of that. It's hard to do, to stop and be still, but... Man, the Lord really spoke to us through that. So that's why Cambodia's Noel's initial work there. And then coming back to see, like, what can we do more long-term that's sustainable for our family and that we can do more together. Because we don't want to live these, like, 
parallel lives, that she's doing one thing, I'm doing another. So this kind of combines more for us. Yeah. Thank you. Back in the back. Um, this is not a nice spiritual sounding question, but um, as a yeah, history buyer, what's the relationship between the modern Albanians and the ancient Illyrians? Is there the same character? Unfortunately, that's a question I can't answer very well at this point. There are, I'd, I'd love to do more of like, the history. That's one of on my to do lists is to. Where, yeah. You know, they've been under some kind of rule and authority for so long that modern Albanians kind of are like, we don't want, we want to do whatever we want to do. We don't want anybody telling us, you know, what to do. So you had the Illyrians, you had the Ottomans, you had communism. So in 91, when, when um, you know, that was two years after Berlin, it fell, last, last remaining stronghold of communism in Europe. From that point on, it's been, we are going to do whatever we want to do kind of, kind of thing. And so that's, that, that runs deep throughout the the core of, of people's psyche right now. What's that? Kind of sounds like us. Yeah. You know, the book of Judges kind of speaks to that too, doesn't it? Yeah. Other questions, comments? Yeah. Is there anything that the Cambodian or Albanian culture or even community or friends that you've met has taught you and you've adopted it to your own? Life. Has there been any, of course, you've reached with your olive branch to them, but have they reached it out to you and you've learned something? Yeah, probably more than we've ever, you know, that's that, it's, that's that thing where you go somewhere thinking you're going to be a blessing, but you're the one who's blessed. Yes. You know, when I was, I went through six months of a real uh, tropical illness in Cambodia, and it was debilitating. I was in bed a lot. And I think I saw like my, like, I can't do much of anything. Kind of, kind of reality. I come here to learn the language and I'm laying in bed all day. My Cambodian friends came and, you know, like they dropped everything. And that's, that's what relational cultures will do. It, the task is secondary. The relationship is primary. And so I think as Westerners, we really go so much task orientation, right? Especially Americans, to our detriment. But the Cambodians, my friends showed me that I'm going to come and bring, bring you tea and be with you. And so it was just that, it was that presence together. And so I think that's one of the things we try to do. And Albanians are very similar to that. The relationship is so important. And so even if you have 100 things you have to do, it's like, no, no, I'm going to be with you. And so that's what we try to do with our friends, with our kids. Like, and I really struggle with it. But that was, you know, through that period of sickness, I realized. And the fact that, you know, when we didn't, we didn't leave Cambodia to return to the States during that, and it got pretty hairy for a bit. But my Cambodian friends were like, we go through this all the time. We know what it's like to be sick. We know what it's like to suffer. We know what it's like to struggle. And now maybe you understand our life just a little bit. So I think they taught me a lot about the joy and perseverance in suffering as well. And I think that that's something that we, we shy away from all the time, right? We don't want to suffer. We don't want to be in pain. But there's a lot of beauty that I look back on in that six months that I was sick and I miss I missed that time in ways because of the intimacy with Jesus that I felt. And I think my Cambodian friends, <clears throat> excuse me, helped me to see that, that relationships, being still, being present, like that's really close to the heart of God, even if you're not a believer, right? Like those, those things. Yeah. How difficult has the language 
So I have not studied Albanian at all yet. Cambodian was really hard. <laughs> but Noel is in language now with the church and where everything is and with our primary focus in English currently and with four kids that are some in school, some not. Um, I have not studied uh, ship is the name of it yet. But it's grammatically a nightmare. Um, it's, it's a separate branch of the language tree. It's not like any other language. My Greek will only help me in terms of some of the endings and, and cases, declench, those kind of things, but not much more than that. So hopefully within, when Juniper, the, the two-year-old, goes to school, that's when I'll try to start language. But right now there's so much happening within English and the opportunity to use that that it's, I had to, I had, it, was a, it was hard to say no because I want to be able to communicate with my landlords and others, but I had to say no to that currently. But Noel will tell you it's very hard. <laughs> Um, are your kids in school in Albania? You homeschool them? Like yeah. So, you know, one of, the, one of the kind of Lord please was we want to go to a place where there is an international school option. We tried homeschooling at different times, and that didn't go so well. However, this past year, we felt like with all the uncertainties surrounding, I mean, we left in the middle of August, you know, and we barely could get a flight out of the States. We had to delay it for months with COVID. And so we felt like if we could have one less question mark, then we will. And so thankfully, Jamie's wife, Holly, is a teacher. She took a year off. She was going to homeschool her kids, and she said, I'll homeschool yours too. And so our, the, our two boys, her two boys, she homeschooled. Noel ho helped out a day a week. And we did some other stuff with them. Next year, the boys will go to an international Christian school, and Talia will go to a little local uh, preschool for a year, and Juniper will be at home. So we'll be doing that dance of multiple schools for a while. But yeah, thankfully there is a, a really great schooling option for them. Yeah. They, are they addicted to social media like art? <laughs> I think every kid is addicted to social media. And, and yes, they are. The challenge there, though, is there's like this Albanian Netflix, which is basically pornography. And kids are on this from like five on. Right? So you have these children that are growing up told, like, this is f appropriate, fine. I mean, part of, some of Europe is that way. But Albania particularly, it's a male-dominated culture, so it's kind of guys do whatever they want. High domestic violence rate for women. I mean, it's, it's, those are some real evils that, all, that also exist. But yes, to answer your question, it, it's, it's a complete addiction there as well for any, any kind of social media. And, you know, the whole struggles that we all have here with that, my identity is tied into all these different things. So, unfortunately, you know, obviously I'm thankful for the, for, um, the internet and opportunities that it that provides, but it's a real struggle there just like it is here. Yeah. In your travels, have you found that people really are the same everywhere, basically? People. I would say, yeah, I think deep down at the core, you start to see that. You know, obviously, on the surface, it can be real easy to say, that person's messed up. <laughs> <laughs> and what happens is, is like, yeah, they are because of these things that have happened, you know, because of the communist influence, because they've been gone through trafficking, because like they've been physically, I mean, all these things that on the surface, it's really easy to judge, right? And so I think that's one thing that I'm so thankful for the opportunity to live in many different places because God's been like, 
Zach, this is you. You know, you're prejudiced in these areas. You're racist in these areas. And I don't say that to condemn it. Like, it's just true, right? Like, the human condition without the Lord, we are going to go in a certain way. So it's really easy for me to, on the surface, say, I just write people off. But as you sit with people, as you get to hear, like, what's really the motivations? Why do they act the way they do? Why do I act the way that I do? What are their values? Deep down, you see these things that, like, people want to be, they want to be believed in. They want to be accepted, right? They want to be loved. They want to have value. They want to be able to provide something that's just, like, with their hands, work, you know? And so I think that, you know, the answer yes is that we see everybody that, you know, is created in God's image, eternally valuable to him, eternally worthy, and, and at the same time, eternally depraved, but... About yourself as well in that re- interaction. Yeah. And I also wanted to ask how difficult it is for you to communicate since you aren't speaking the language. Do a lot of people speak English? In Tirana, the capital city, yes, they do. And... Google? We, we use Google Translate a fair amount to be able to, like, figure, to communicate. Yeah. And so different technological, you know, areas we can use. But in Tirana itself... You know, because English gets you an opportunity. And also, in a lot of European countries, English is taught in schools early. And so many of, this, many of the kids would all speak English. Some of the older people don't. But, you know, with knowing that our primary ministry, at least right now, is going to be to English-speaking foreigners and Albanians, you know, I feel that contentment to step in and say, but of course, my landlords, I would love to be able to, like, talk with them. Their, their kids speak English so we can have roundabout conversations, but, yeah, but. Has anyone been totally offended by you? Like I'm sure they have. <laughs> <laughs> that guy over there. <laughs> um, People from the other country, I mean, do you find prejudice because you're American or are they offended because you're a preacher? You know, in a lot of countries, in Cambodia and, and Albania, it's just this, the reality is I have a lot of status as an American. Not everywhere, of course. You can go to a lot of places. And, but in, in Cambodia and in Albania, and I think the, the challenge is, you know, that privilege that we have, that status, how do we live into that in, like, gospel ways? You know, and, and so I think, I think when people have been offended by us, there's a lot of grace. Like, oh, you're American. You don't understand. You know, because, like, the Albanian culture is very intricate, and all these different concepts that are below the surface and how do you navigate all that. So I think we're given a lot of grace, whereas Albanians maybe that would do something to offend wouldn't be given any grace because they should know better, right? But so I think you have the fact that Albanians love Americans. I mean, that, the relationship between the U.S. and Albania is like this. That's, and that's because, that's because George W. Bush was the first sitting president to go visit. And so they named all these coffee shops and roads <laughs> after him. There was, there's also a Donald J. Trump Boulevard, so... You know, everything is there. So they love Americans. And so the offense is not necessarily right. And so we're given grace. And, and I, think, I think there's an interest in spiritual things from some people that there's a sense of, huh, tell me more about that. And it's, I think, it's, I think it, it's harder to live here in terms of offense and other things than it does. Yeah, I see a lot. Of <laughs> they have a lot of traditions like, that they really follow that you kind of have to know about. They do, and a lot of that revolves around hospitality and, and welcoming people into homes. And most people, most Albanians would not welcome another Albanian into their home unless they're really tight because there's this 
you have more than me or less than me. Or they, they're seeing like kind of status-wise how they, right. So they, people meet out in coffee shops and places that are kind of neutral. But yeah, a lot of it revolves around hospitality. And so that is really the, the end. When you can get into people's homes, and that's, that's a real sign that you're like becoming part of their community. It's a tribal, I mean, to their, to their neighbors in terms of like their family members and they're in network. But it's super tribal, and so you see that with like bloodshed and violence all the time. Even now, there's a lot of that, and so it's it's you know you're on my side or you're not, and like what does that that look like? And so as foreigners, you're kind of outside of that, and so that can be helpful, but that's kind of the re- the reality. Yeah. Let me answer her back here real quick, just for a second. Yeah. Situations where you know somebody comes from the Muslim faith, faith Christianity, and you know, because it's so nominal there in, in a lot of ways. Now, the Turkish influence is coming in more prominently. So that this may change in the, in the future. And among younger people, you may see this shifting a little bit. But currently, it's, it's, our landlord's family would have a problem with that, yes, if, if their son and daughter became believers or were interested in faith. And so it kind of depends on the family, but it would look more like, you don't want to do that. This is your, this is your tradition. It, so it wouldn't look, you know, being ostracized from a family necessarily, like it would in other places, or even physical violence or that kind of thing. Not in Albania, because they've been through so much of that. So Albanians pride themselves on, let's all meet together and be one big happy family, whether you're Orthodox or whether you're Evangelical or whether you're Catholic or Muslim or whatever you are, there's this pride of the culture we are accepting. Does that make sense? And so, and we haven't seen, you know, at least within the 10 months that I've been there, anybody that we've known really well to come from a Muslim background into um, being a follower of Jesus at this point. Would you say, uh, your experience in Muslim countries, that there are a lot of secular Muslims as opposed to Muslims? Yeah, I would liken it to the church oftentimes. You know, that like a lot of people that go to church say that they're believers, but really aren't living that way, Right. A lot of people that are in the Muslim world that go to mosque and do all these things, like, how devoted really are they? I mean, so yes, I think, and especially in my experience, you know, Cambodia is 88% Buddhist, so 5% Muslim. Albania is 70% Muslim, but nominal. So the people that I've met, you know, in my context specifically, yeah, would be kind of like by name, and maybe they do some, make some good works to try to make, make amends for the bad works that they've done. But that's, that's kind of the flavor of who I've, you know, met with, yeah. So thanks so much for sharing with us. Uh, yeah. Everyone just want to ask him one more questions, man. So um, anyway, you can pull him aside and be around. Um, thank you for coming to share with us. I was like mesmerized, like by you, the pictures. And so thanks for sharing your heart information. Mostly by you. So, uh, <laughs> Uh, I've been told there's still more food left, so grab food on your way out to worship. It's got to be more to the